You'll stay with me. Until the end. And he won't be able to see you? No. Wait. Stay close to me. Always. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And here it is. The last episode of Once Upon a Time. Yeah, it's weird, right? The last episode where the show ends. This is it, folks. No more after this point. You know, since you bring that up, I was thinking I should make a list for the site of other shows that have had postscript seasons. And just not a ranking per se, but just a binary on off. This one worked, this one didn't. Mm. Are there ones that worked? I think Community worked. Yes, I, I did enjoy Community's postscript season. Scrubs, not so much. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't actively bad. Unlike, say, Charmed's postscript oh, season. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, you know which one I really like? What? Angels. Yeah, you know what? I It's weird. I don't really think of the, the law firm season as a postscript season, but it is. Yeah, it's basically pitching a whole new show. What are we counting as postscript seasons here? I was just going to say, there are some shows where they do what seemed like it was a postscript season, but then it was successful, so it just keeps going. Like, season four of Community is the postscript season, but then they had a Yahoo season after that. Mm. Or, I mean, honestly, you could see season six of Buffy as a postscript season. And then they went on and did season seven after that. Uh, duh, how did I forget? Obviously, season six and seven are postscript seasons for Buffy. Right. Season five is the definitive end. So is that what we're counting for postscript seasons? Like Charmed had Charmed had its definitive ending, but then they extended it another year because uh, WB was becoming the CW and they wanted to keep a bunch of their tentpole shows to make people more comfortable with the transition so they give charmed another season even though it was really obviously supposed to end at the end of the you know yeah that's what i'm counting as a postscript season the show thought it was over wrote a finale that was meant to end the series and then for whatever reason kept going and we have additional season or seasons so all the post season four sabrina stuff yes i think i think sabrina the college years is all postscript Okay, you ready? Mm -hmm. I think a full half of Cheers is postscript season. Everything after Diane leaves is postscript. I can see that. I mean, I often said that Cheers is basically two entirely different shows. Mm. It's the 80s most successful uh, alcoholism PSA. Yeah, that's accurate. Actually, I guess it's the 80s least successful alcoholism PSA. I mean, I guess it depends. It's okay that Norm is a regular at multiple bars where he's just trying to avoid his wife who eventually leaves him over the course of the show because, hey, everyone knows his name at this bar and other bars because he's an alcoholic. 
I mean, it's not about alcoholism. It's about having to find your chosen family. So that's a trope I generally like. So I'm not going to come down too hard on it. It just so happens that the setting is a bar. So the chosen family is all grouped around alcoholism. Hey, it's okay that Frasier only sees his son, like, what, six times over the course of over a decade of television? Okay, that has nothing to do with alcohol. That is 100% him being a douchebag. But you know what? I'm also not going to complain about that. You know why? Because Lilith doesn't deserve to have an asshole like that in her life. She is too good for that. I am so glad that Lilith is off with her son on the other side of the country living her best life. But seriously, Frazier's a terrible father. Yes, that's an accurate statement. Wait, what were we talking about again? We were talking about postscript seasons. I'm so glad you just asked that because I just wanted to bring up Babylon 5 before we move on. All right. Wait, that's the... Is this the one where they end up having to fight the Christian god because they didn't think things through enough? That's Stargate, another show with a postscript season. No, Babylon 5, uh, it was one of the first shows to have an ongoing plot and instead of just being episodic, mm-hmm. which is the norm now, but, you know, back in the day it was it was revolutionary. And uh, J. Michael Straczynski had the whole thing plotted out before the show started, and he had... He famously had the whole show plotted out and then alternate storylines for if they lost any of the actors. And and it did happen. They did lose a couple of the actors and went to, with the alternate storylines. Wow. And then after the fourth season, they thought they were canceled. So he sped it up and did the end of the story he had written. And then they got another season. And it's terrible. I can imagine. Yes. I like... St- I really like J. Michael Straczynski's Thor run. I thought it was really strong. Not so much his Superman run. I haven't read his Superman run, but I really like his Wonder Woman run. That's the one where she got pants and a jacket, right? Um, yes, but I don't think it's the one you're thinking of. She does have pants and a jacket in that one, but that one's like a meta, all of the different Wonder Women. Huh. Yeah. It's great. I have it. You should read it. It's downstairs. Okay, the the one I'm thinking of, they did it in like 2011-ish. It was sort of like this weird soft reboot for Wonder Woman. Oh, okay, that's not even the time I was thinking of. That's a third time she gets pants and a jacket. God, just let Wonder Woman wear pants, for God's sake. I mean, I'm a big... I'm a big believer in the Wasp school of superhero costuming, where as long as... Well, I mean, I say the Wasp, this doesn't really apply to her, but... As long as your outfit is generally on a certain theme, I feel like you should be able to change your superhero outfit as much as you want. Sure, yeah. So maybe not so much the Wasp, maybe more. The Young Justice kids, except for Robin, were pretty good about that, where they just had outfits that were variations on their standard outfit. I mean, the X-Men outfits are that. Yeah. Actually, probably the Cassie Sandsmark Wonder Girl is the best example of that. I'm of the Kitty Pride School of Costume Design. Whatever garbage you find lying around, just throw it on. Yes. Bonus points for roller skates. I just, I figured as soon as I put them on, I would know how to roller skate. <laughs> Did she say that? She doesn't, but... Yeah. Oh, I, I actually for a while, wanted to learn how to roller skate for the sole purpose of being able to cosplay Sprite. Because you have to know how to roller skate to roller skate badly? Yeah, without hurting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, let's talk about this show. All right, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time. Come on, it's the last episode of Once Upon a Time until the postscript season. It's really good. It's not as good as the setup, but I feel like that's a really typical thing for this, well, for any big two-parter. I was thinking about it while we were watching it, how we were really excited when it first aired, but of course it aired in one chunk. Yeah. And I think we did it a disservice. I mean- we had to. This is the way we do our show. We did it a disservice by looking at its two parts separately because the second part is far weaker than the first part. Well, maybe it, not far weaker, but it's weaker. It's like Who Shot Mr. Burns. Like the second part of Who Shot Mr. Burns is still really, really good. It's still one of the best episodes that The Simpsons ever did, but it is much weaker than the setup for the mystery. I think that they put a lot of energy in setting up the tension. For the final battle. And then when they got there, they weren't entirely sure how to end it. I really get the feeling that they weren't entirely sure how to end this. A lot of stuff just kind of happens. Yeah, so let's talk about the stuff that just kind of happens. Just as a reminder, last week was the final battle part one. Yes, in which the Black Fairy cast her Darkest of Curses, which was basically just a giant-ass ripoff of Regina's original Dark Curse. I know, seriously, someone needs to send her before some sort of academic board for plagiarizing. But she broke Henry's arm. Uh, She's now the mayor of Storybrooke and Henry's adopted mother in this reality, but not really. Right, because Henry is awake. Henry is awake in the curse, and... We learn that the final battle is not an actual battle with swords. Spoiler for this episode. Yes, it is. The final battle is for Emma's soul, by which they mean her belief. And her her belief or her staying light. Well, in this episode, in this part of the finale, it's about making her stay light. Because she already gave up her belief by burning the book at the end of the last episode. Right. Last episode, they told us it was about whether or not Emma believed. And somehow her not believing in the lands of story, a thing that was just made up last week, made them cease to exist. Because somehow the new dark curse tied all of the mystical realms to Emma's belief. You know what? I like that better than thinking that they were trying to do some sort of retcon where all of the other realms are subordinate to our realm. I like better the idea that the Dark Curse did that. And as you pointed out last week, that makes sense because when Regina cast the Dark Curse back at the beginning of this show, we were told that it would wipe out the Enchanted Forest. So that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, Emma burned the book, the Once Upon a Time book. She doesn't believe anymore, and now the nothingness is spreading over the Enchanted Forest, and all of the people who got shuffled off of there so that they couldn't help Emma are going to die in the nothingness. The Enchanted Forest and all the other realms of story, which uh, apparently a bunch of the places that are just countries in the Enchanted Forest's world became their own worlds just for this last story, but it's it's a little late to nitpick that sort of thing. I mean, I feel like we've spent the past few years nitpicking that, but yes, we are now definitively told that Agrabah, Arendelle are their own realms. I was going to add to that, but we already knew Oz was its own realm. We already knew that... Wonderland. Right. By the way, don't expect to see anyone from a previous season here. Like, they've got all of the people from Oz and Arendelle and so on and so forth, but 
Don't expect to see Elsa and Anna. They did, they did get the they did get the Sven puppet. They did not because that is a much better puppet than the Sven puppet they had before. It's funny that they couldn't get Elsa or Anna or Klaus, but they did get the guy who plays the caterpillar in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland for a second. Well, it's it's CGI. They probably just had the model sitting around. Oh yeah, good point. The way that uh, Robin Hood shows up, but not really. We just have a line that we're pretty sure was dropped in from another episode. Not, they didn't get him back into the studio to record another line. Do they have to pay him for that? It depends. Okay, so there's a bit in, uh, there's a bit in Steven Universe where uh, one of the fusions they got was voiced by Nicki Minaj. Sure, Uh uh-huh. And they, they brought her back for like, this one very short clip and she just repeats a line that she said before and one of the other characters is like do we have to pay her for that the other character's like i think we do (laughs) it's a very meta moment yeah i think you do have to pay people but i think it can vary depending on your contract Mm. since he was a since he was a main character there might have been a provision where they didn't have to pay him for reusing footage later so uh they would probably have had to pay Nicki Minaj more for reusing that one vote, uh, that one voice clip of hers. Right, she was a guest star, so I would guess that they had to re- that they had to pay her to reuse it. I wonder how that used to break down with clip shows. You know, because clip shows aren't really a thing now. But do you have to pay guest stars again if you're re- reusing their clips in clip shows? I don't know. Um, I really do think it's. I really don't know if there's an industry standard on that. Well, I mean. Clip shows aren't a thing anymore, but... Cause yeah, cl- but contracts usually do have standard provisions that are set up by the unions. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the standard for that would have been. Or, you know, the standard for reusing footage if you're a guest star. Mm-hmm. Maybe clip shows just don't use guest star stuff in them. You know, I'm thinking about the Friends clip shows and trying to re- trying to remember. I feel like they <laughs> do on Friends. Yeah, well, because Friends had like five of them a year at the end. Like, I remember thinking at one point... Didn't they do a clip show last week? Yeah. Like, everyone was out on Friends. I mean, they were making a... That might have been a price-saving thing. Yeah, I don't know if they had to pay the Friends when they did clip shows. I don't know if they had to pay the Friends for a full episode. And they were all making a million dollars an episode at the end, so... Maybe that's why there were so many clip shows in the last few seasons. It could be. I mean, we know that that's why they did so many clip shows on The Simpsons as a cost-saving measure. Until was it was it Al Jean who made like that one clip show really really bad on purpose so they'd stop making them do that? Yeah, but that clip show was like the third clip show. They still kept doing them. Yeah, a couple more times. Yeah. Although honestly, the musical uh, the musical clip show is the least annoying clip show I think that you could do. Yeah, it's just like your favorite TV show made you a mixtape. Not counting, uh, not counting, of course, The Simpsons, one hundred and thirty sixth episode spectacular that's not a clip show it is a clip show it's just they used deleted footage oh i'm sorry i was thinking of the spinoff showcase uh yeah because they both have the weird names but yeah no the for the simpsons 136th episode for their clip show they did a lot of stuff with deleted footage which was neat because that was a pre-dvd thing yeah no that that is great and you don't really realize how much extra stuff shows do that just never makes it to air well, you know, early earlier seasons of The Office, they would film 
like 40 minutes of footage for a 20 minute show. There are some great deleted scenes in early seasons of The Office. Mm. It's why the it's why those seasons were so not season one, but after that, it's why those seasons <laughs> and that was terrible. But it's why those seasons were so strong because they literally just had the best bits. Mm. So we should actually talk about the actual episode. So as a reminder, Henry's arm is broken. He's in the dark curse. Emma has lost all her belief and is leaving town now. And David, Mary Margaret, the evil queen, the basic storybook crew, is trapped in the collapsing enchanted forest. Yes. Now the episode opens with the same little girl from the beginning of last episode. Oh, right. We should have mentioned that. Last episode opened with a man... Uh, trying to protect his daughter from some mysterious force. He gave her the Once Upon a Time book to protect, and we did not know who these characters were at the time. In fact, this is footage that we discussed was probably filmed after the fact. Mm. So now we're back to that same girl, and... And she's found her father's sword lying in the woods amongst the wreckage of, I'm guessing, their home, or at least their hideout. Yes. And Tiger Lily shows up, tells her... Not to be sad because her father wouldn't want her to be sad. Her father would want her to go be a hero and fight and do what needs to be done. This little girl is very insistent. She's like, is my father okay? And Tiger Lily's like, he's not dead. I don't know where he is and I don't know what condition he's in, but he's not dead. And the little girl's like, am I, am I going to see him again? And she's like, I'm a fairy and I can see the future in like the vaguest terms possible. So, yes, you are going to see your father again, but I don't know what the circumstances are, so don't get your hopes up too high. The little girl actually says, so we're going to be okay? And Tiger Lily just stares at her for a really long time. It's kind of awkward. But... It's, it's a cute scene. It's a cute scene setting up the next season. I, yeah, no, I'm fine with this scene, and I actually like this child actress. Yeah, she's pretty good as far as child actors go. She's far better than Henry was at that age. She is, yes. She, she's she got a lot of, weirdly enough, she's got a lot of Henry's characteristics. Hmm. Huh, interesting. So, after this, after this, I was going to say flashback, but... Flash forward. Flash forward. After this flash forward, we see Henry in the hospital, and Fiona, the Black Fairy, brings him the burnt remains of the Once Upon a Time book, because she is a messy queen who loves drama. And Henry's like, okay, fine, look, I've been through this so many times, you're at the point in the season where you think you're going to win and it looks like everything's going your way, but it's not going to. My family's going to get together and we're all going to kick your ass, although probably it's going to be either my mom, my other mom, or my grandpa. When I say Henry is checked out, I don't mean the way Jennifer Goodwin has been checked out for several seasons. I mean, Henry is just taking in her taunts and like, okay, well, when you're done taunting me, I'm going to go fix everything because I'm Henry and that's what I do. He has such a blank facial expression as she gloats. Yeah, she's like, your family's not going to be around to save you. They're all not existing right now because I destroyed your mother's belief. And Henry's like, Pfft. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Speaking of the rest of his family, we cut from that to a beanstalk where, because David and Hook were climbing down the beanstalk when the 
tremors of the nothingness started shaking. So it was a very inconvenient place to be. And Hook gets that bad guy from Robocopped. Yeah, he well he gets he gets Mufasa'd. He gets dropped down the beanstalk and there's the Long sh- live the king. Yes. David is holding his his arm trying to like keep him from falling and then he just slips out of his grasp and it's the same shot as when Scar lets go of Mufasa. He's even doing the arm and like thing, oh, I'm falling on a green screen like an animated lion would. Well, I mean it's the only way to fall on a green screen. Yes. But I don't know why it struck me as so funny, but the caption goes, Hook. That is pretty funny. I mean, we're laughing about this, but we live in the Pacific Northwest, so I've just come to terms with the fact that this is how I'm going to die. Falling off a beanstalk. I'm just going to be somewhere really inconvenient when the giant Cascadia earthquake hits. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, we all are. None of these buildings are built for earthquakes. Yeah. I just hope it's like 80 years from now and not like eight minutes from now. Yeah. Yes. That would be preferable. Sorry, I brought this to a really serious place. (laughs) Uh, Our house doesn't even have a basement. You do not want to be in a basement in the Pacific Northwest where there's a... Earthquake? Yeah. Where do you want to be when there's an earthquake? I know, Outside in in an empty field? I mean, if you're inside, you go to a doorway. But honestly, outside in an open field. I heard that you don't do that, actually. Go to a doorway? Yeah. Well, where else would you go? Yeah, see, that's the thing. It didn't tell me. It just, I remember hearing you don't go. Maybe under the bed, because then if stuff falls, it'll fall on your bed and not on you. That's assuming the bed's not going to fall apart. Mm, right. Yeah. I mean, if, if we were in any of the doorways in our house, a bookshelf would fall on us. All of all of the doorways in our house have things that would be able to fall. Eh. So let's just hope that the Cascadia earthquake waits until we're both dead to hit. Yes. Or we can buy a new house because they are trying to build houses to be earthquake ready. Yeah. God, that's that's pretty unnerving. Because, like, you see those buses with the, do you have your emergency supplies? And you're like... Right, they are warning us so that they can, you know, I I know it's so that we can be prepared, but it, it's really so that we won't be able to say, nobody warned us about this. I mean, we all know about it. It's going to be devastating. Eh. Eh. I think I'm much calmer about this than you are because I grew up in Florida. I was, I literally was in the middle of a category four hurricane. Jesus. So it's like, yeah, it is what it is. You do what you can. Yeah, we had a, I think we had a couple of hurricanes when I was a kid, but it was never anything, like, big. Mm. There was a really, really big earthquake before I was born. Uh, my, oh, I think it was in, like, God. Uh, it, my uncle had photographs of it, so, because it was, like, it was in the 40s, but it can't have been in the 40s if my uncle had photographs of it. I guess he could have bought photographs from someone, but, like, it was... It really messed the town up because it's a seaside town where I grew up. Yeah. Um, hurricane Charlie passed right over where I was mm. when I was hiding out from that hurricane. And and I remember afterwards, we all went up onto the roof. The house I was in was one of the only houses that survived it. Jeez. And we all went up onto the roof afterwards and you could just see all of the damage that had happened. Yeah, so that's why I'm a little more blasé about things. It's like, you do what you can do. Well, you, sur- you survive hurricanes. You 
You one, survive earthquakes. One would not survive the Cascadia earthquake. No, though. no. Like you talk about buying a earthquake safe house, but like, yeah, I know. The Cascadia will kill everyone. Basically. Once upon a time. <laughs> Speaking of things killing everything, in the Evil Queen's palace. The Evil Queen and Jasmine and Snow White are watching the darkness spread across the land. And Snow White has a sense that David is in trouble because they share a heart. Yes, she's like, David's in trouble. I can feel it. And Regina's like, do you know where I could just teleport us? And she's like, I, 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 I just have heart. I have to play hot and cold with my heart. So Jasmine summons the flying carpet so that they can fly around and, and Snow can be like, Hotter, 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 colder, colder. Turn left. Hotter, hotter, and... I mean, it's pretty convenient, and... Well, is it? Because they don't actually find David. They find Hook, which I think raises some questions for David. Okay, so what I love about this is they they find the fallen beanstalk, and uh, they can hear someone groaning underneath the fallen... Foliage? Yes. Foliage? Oh, God. Foliage that's fallen. And Mary Margaret's tearing it up, and then it's Hook, and she rolls her eyes, and I'm like, oh, my God, I like Mary Margaret so much more in the last couple episodes than I have in the rest of the show. And he's like, hello, mommy. And she's like, ugh. She's like, this is going to be exhausting. I kind of hope we die. So I basically like Snow when she's drunk and belligerent, or when she's... Tough and sarcastic? I guess, yeah. Yeah. She's, but, she's beautiful and tough, like beef jerky in a prom dress. But Hook's like, I know you're not happy to see me, but because you're looking for your husband, obviously you don't have issues with me. And Marimar's like, mm-hmm. Eh. But I have a magic bean so we can go back to Emma. And Marimar's like, good, use it, go back to Emma and make her believe because I'm sick of the universe falling apart around me. And Snow says that she's going to stay and look for David while they go back to the Evil Queen's palace and figure out a way to open a portal. Because that's the thing you need to figure out now. Now, to be fair, we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but it's not that they need to figure out how to work the bean. It's that magic is being leached out of the world, so the bean doesn't have as much magic as it used to. So, so it's not just going to work for anyone. Regina has to focus some magic through it. Okay, that's fair. Because otherwise I'm like, literally anyone can use a magic bean. Right. But not now, because all of the worlds are becoming the world without magic. And falling apart because they're inherently made of magic. Sure. So does that mean Hammerverse would be like the last one to fall? Because they do talk about how different countries do have different amounts of magic in them. Yeah, the black and white monster universe where Dr. Frankenstein is. Yeah, that's a... That's a lower magic world, so I think it's going to come down last. Also, steampunk world will probably come down last. Mm. Uh, Corel DeVille's perpetual 1930s world. I would love it if everything fell apart except our world, the world without magic, and Cruella DeVille's perpetual 1940s London jazz age, whatever that was supposed to be. The vague past era. Oh, who even knows what year it is? So, back in Storybrooke, Emma's leaving because she's like, look, 
you believing in that book made you fall down the stairs so I have to leave town. And also, Henry... it made me be locked up in an asylum, and I don't want that. And Henry's like, really? Like, Hen- really? Henry tells her that this is exactly what the Black Fairy was trying to do, and she should not give in. And I was like, there is no Black Fairy. There's just your mom. Who, you know, didn't go with you to the hospital and clearly doesn't care about you. Okay, two major questions here. One is minor because I think it's pretty clear. But back in season one, the reason Emma stayed is because Henry told Emma that his mother didn't love him. And so she stayed to protect him. I guess she just doesn't want to protect him anymore because, listen, Fiona does not love Henry. Yeah, it's really, really clear. Yeah, I mean, maybe she's just, I, I mean, maybe this is a putting on your own oxygen mask first situation, mm. but I have a hard time believing that any Emma would not stay and protect Henry from uh, Fiona. Honestly, I feel like she would take Henry with her. Right? Like, I know it's kidnapping, but... Like, this is really clearly an unsafe place for Henry. I know she saw that video, which didn't prove anything of Henry falling down the stairs. But, like, it really seems like Fiona broke his arm. Because she did. Like, Emma should not be leaving him in this situation. Right? And I don't believe that any Emma would. Well, and so, I mean, compared compared to that, this is a minor thing. But in this version of Emma's memories... She remembers Henry telling her that his adopted mother is the Black Fairy, which is a once upon a time specific mythology. Mm-hmm. Is that more or less believable than my mother is the evil queen from Snow White? God, I think it's the same level. See, I think it's less believable because I think fairy tales are real and they filtered into our world as fairy tales has more of a ring of truth to it than she's an evil fairy from a world you've never heard of Mm. i i I think giving her the full story would have made it less believable she's an evil fairy who's not in any of these stories that are definitely real i think sounds the most fake out of those three options The thing that's actually happening is the thing that sounds the most fake. Because if you're like, look, there's a secret world of magic and the woman who's claiming she's my mother is a part of it. She's the Black Fairy. Then yeah, okay. Or fairy tales are real. They filtered into our world and my mother's the evil queen. Fair. Just don't do both. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because then you sound like you're just making shit up. Once upon a time. It's my OC, the Black Fairy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is uh this is fairy tale, uh this is a fairy tale AU with a evil OC. Yeah. Yeah. So Emma leaves Storybrooke to return to Boston, where her apartment's been sitting for four years. Yeah, before we get to Boston though, you pointed out when we were watching this that she does not crash her car on her way out. Yes, she successfully leaves without crashing her car. And I noticed that... What kind of dark curse is this? (laughs) Right. 
I also noticed that instead of having a fancy New England looking sign that says now leaving Storybrooke, it's just a green highway sign that says leaving Storybrooke. Hmm. I feel like that's significant. Hmm. Maybe. I, I just, I feel like that goes back to what we talked about last week where this Storybrooke is shot, you know, undersaturated, more like a real town and less like the kind of fairy tale town that Storybrooke is usually shot as. Hmm. So, yes, her apartment, which is still there four years later. Yes, her apartment, which is still there four years later with all of her stuff in it, except for the three bags that she brought with her. Even the blown out star candle is still there. Yep, still sitting on the counter. Maybe it's a condo and she owns and that's why it stayed there. Maybe. In fact, I think we have to assume that's the case. It's a condo she owns. And someone was paying the property taxes. So during the last four years as she's been dealing with everything, when she got the notice about property taxes, she just went online and paid them. Even when she was living her alternate life in New York for a year? Yes. And so she has to own outright, not have a mortgage or anything. How much do bounty hunters make? My God. Property in, a, uh, property in Boston is... Well, depending on where you are, property in... A, a property in Boston is really expensive. Yeah. And she's got a really nice apartment. Yeah, I guess bounty hunters uh, make a lot. I had a friend who actually had a friend who lived pretty close to the commons. Uh-huh. Like, like she had an apartment there. And uh, we were talking about it and she's, she told us, look, you can't rent these apartments. The only reason I have this apartment is because my great uncle owned it and people just sell directly to their relatives because these are like this is not a thing you can buy there are places like that in new york too yeah which just how much money did emma make as a bounty hunter she must be really good at it bail bonds woman i like bounty hunter why why do you why do you keep trying to go away from using bounty hunter it's such a cool phrase. But that's it's such not, a cool word. But it's not what they use in the show. In the show, they use bail bonds person. Which is less cool, but I guess more accurate. It's not. Body Hunter is completely accurate. That's what she does. She hunts bounties. She hunts bail jumpers. Anyway, as Emma's dumping out her purse and all the stuff that's in it, she finds that Henry has slipped a book in there. A sketchbook in which he has recreated the Once Upon a Time book with the story that we know, the story of the show, including his own little hand-drawn illustrations, which are much better than the photoshopped illustrations that are in the actual book. Yeah, they're really good for someone who's supposed to be around his age. And someone who's not an artist. Yeah. Good job, Henry. There are a lot of qualifiers there, but they are nice illustrations under those circumstances. I mean, they're better than the ones in the book, which are theoretically by someone professional, so. Hmm. So back in the Enchanted Forest, they try to use the bean, but as you said earlier, the the uh, new Dark Curse is sapping the magic away, so Virginia's going to have to pump it full of her own magic. And she just doesn't have enough power! If only there was someone... With the same kind of power as her, and maybe the same level of power as her, who she had some sort of deep bond and connection with so that they could join forces and use all of their power. If only Zelina hadn't lost her magic for no damn reason three episodes ago. Hey, you know what? A sister's great, but you know what's better? 
a magic clone. I hope your sister doesn't listen to this. And I hope your magic clone does. <laughs> I meant as far as combining magic. Mm. In general, sisters are better than magic clones, because magic clones are all like, ooh, how come you get the world where the boyfriend's alive? And then you're like, well, because you have the world where the son's alive. And then it's like really weird and awkward. That's literally what happens in this show. The evil queen gets the world where she has Robin Hood, and Regina gets the world where she has Henry. Technically, evil Regina does have a Henry. It's just he wants to murder her because she killed his his grandparents. And then his mom disappeared forever, and he has no answers. Oh my god, that poor Wishverse Henry! How is Wishverse Henry not the main big bad of the uh, sequel season? Maybe I mean, he is. Maybe he is. That would be that would that would be amazing. I would be so into the last season. Don't tell us if that's the case. I would be so into it if that's the case. Back in the Enchanted Forest. I guess it's not back in the Enchanted Forest. In the forest of the Enchanted Forest. In the forest of the Enchanted Forest. Mary Margaret rolls the beanstalk over to find David completely smooshed. Yep, yep, he has been smooshed. But you know what cures smooshing? Hot makeouts. Yes, true love's kiss apparently cures... Smooshing. Smooshing. Because Snow White kisses David. And he reinflates. Yep, looks up at her, all sexy and... Whatever. And also he flashes back to their first kiss because even though this is literally the last episode of the series, they think we need to be reminded that true love's kiss is a thing. See, this was better when they did it with the uh, evil queens, uh, the last sleeping curse she put on them. Where they flashed back to every kiss they've ever had. Yeah, like that was really well done. This was fine, but... It, it, it felt like it was... It felt condescending. It felt a little unnecessary. I mean... There are two options for what they wanted to show us. They wanted to remind us about True Love's Kiss, in which case, who do you think you're talking to once upon a time? We're the people who stuck around for six seasons. We know about True Love's Kiss. Or they wanted to be like, look how this episode mirrors the first episode, in which case also we get it. So this is the first time I feel like we've seen True Love's Kiss being used to cure physical ailments. Yeah, this is a real, you can't use magic to raise somebody who died of natural causes thing. Although, is being crushed by a magic beanstalk a mystical death? I mean, that's the question, right? If you got hit by the magic school bus, would be would it be a magical death? I guess it is, because true love's kiss worked. I mean, we have to look at the evidence, and the evidence is the kiss worked, so yeah, it was a magical death. Mm. Also... <laughs> Also, True Love's Kiss was just for curse breaking before, but now it can do anything. Have you tried True Love's Kiss? Have you tried True Love's Kiss? Ask your doctor before trying True Love's Kiss. I know it's a little late since we're on the last episode of the show, but I wanted to make some buttons for the show. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, I was thinking, Long Live Regina, obviously. What is time? And have you tried True Love's Kiss? Could it be, uh, ask your doctor before trying True Love's Kiss? Because... (laughs) Well, our button maker is small. Oh, yeah. So well, just... I was thinking maybe for a shirt. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to make the buttons, though. Yeah. So. Do 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 get in touch with us if you think we should put something else on a button other than those three. Yeah. So, uh, back in Storybrooke, Henry barges into Gold's shop and starts going to the back room. And Mr. Gold's like, 
you know you can't do that. You don't work here. And Henry's like, um, I know, I'm your grandson, so just calm down. Calm down. And he storms into the back, and then he lifts up a drop cloth to find all of Rumpel's potions, and is like, ha! I knew you were awake! Yeah, which, I mean, points to, uh, points to Robert Carlyle. He got me thinking that he was under the Dark Curse last episode, but... Yeah, you know, Rumpel was committed, by the way, because even when Henry came in and was like, you are my grandfather, he was still committed to pretending that he was under the curse. What? No, 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 no. And Robert Carlyle tells us, he reminds everyone... That he was supposed to kill the Black Fairy like three episodes ago and didn't do it. And that's why we're in this mess now. And honestly, I'm so irritated with him. And he's all like, ooh, I knew I shouldn't trust my mother. Yeah, fucker, we know. You could have stopped this. And even now, even now that the curse has been cast, he's only, the only reason he's upset is because Belle's not with him. So, you know what? Honestly, the Black Fairy's downfall was not letting her son be with Belle. If she had put Belle into this magical curse, married to Rumpel, he would not have done anything. Yeah. Which is messed up. Can I put a pin in that so that we can unpin that when we get to the end of this episode? All right. All right, okay. So Henry's like, look, I need your help to save our family. We're related. You have a delt of... A debt of fealty? Is that what Yeah, it's sure. Uh-huh. You have a debt of fealty, too. So come on, stop being a douchebag and help me save everyone. Now, to be fair to Henry, he's like, we can look for Belle later. Right now, our family is in trouble. But from Rumpel's point of view, Belle is his family. So Henry, kind of kind of dickish. <sighs> but yeah, Rumpel's like, look, Belle is my main priority right now. I'm not going to do anything to hinder you, but I need to focus on Belle. And Henry's like, fine. I need a couple of things from you. And I'll take care. You know what? Fine. I'll do it myself. Just like everything else. He takes he takes a magic mirror and he takes the sword. He uses the magic mirror to uh, tell anyone in the Enchanted Forest who might be watching, either his mom or his grandma or his aunt or his new stepdad or his grandpa... That's it, right? That's everyone who's there? I think so. Or, okay. I guess, Baby Neil. Oh, right. Baby Neil. Anyway, he tells them, look, I don't know if you can see me, but don't worry. I got this under control. I'm going to go stab my great-grandmother with this sword. Now, yeah, basically. Now, on the one hand, it's a cool, dramatic moment. But on the other hand, Henry, either you're going to be successful, in which case you're going to bring everyone over anyway, or you're not going to be successful, in which case you're going to die. But either way, they can't do anything from the Enchanted Forest. All you're doing is making them worry. They're probably worried anyway. Eh, I mean, Fair enough. Honestly, if this show has taught us anything, it's that being open and upfront about your plans is probably the best thing to do. That's a good point. It's a good point. Remember when Hades uh, kidnapped... Selena's baby to give it to her as a gift right before she was about to rescue it from the Blue Fairy herself. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. People should be more upfront with their plans in this show. So, Regina and the Evil Queen are watching this from her palace, and they're like, well, shit, we gotta get over there and help Henry. 
And David and Mary Margaret show up to say, yeah, you gotta do it fast because the nothingness is about to engulf the palace. Yeah, it is right effing here. And the evil queen pulls Regina aside. Everyone's going to the center of the castle where the magic is the strongest so that the two of them can imbue it with their mystical power and open a portal to Storybrooke. Also, it's the place that will be disintegrated last because it's the center. Mm -hmm. And the evil queen tells Regina she's going to stay and hold off the darkness as long as she can so that Regina has time to get everyone out, which is like a sweet a noble and awesome sacrifice and they like hold hands and they have a moment and regina leans in like does the kiss lean but they don't kiss yeah well yeah there's no way they could do there's no way they could work the green screens that well but she does a legitimate kiss lean to herself yeah you know what because in the course of six seasons the most important lesson regina has learned is how to love herself hmm I feel like another show recently made that point. It's true. But the evil queen stays behind to hold off the darkness as long as she can. It is it is a nice touch that she points out to Regina that he's he's her son too. Right. She is just as invested in keeping Henry safe as Regina is. And and I'm using Regina and the evil queen to be clear, but a really nice thing I think is that Regina calls the evil queen Regina. It is nice. It is a good character moment between the two of them, and only a little bit confusing. (laughs) But this is such a minor thing, but everyone's gathered in the, you know, middle of the castle. Regina's trying to imbue the bean with her magic, but it looks like it's still going to be too late, even with the Evil Queen holding back the darkness. One of the very, very few people they managed to rescue uh, is a scarecrow. And I'm like, but we saw Zelina kill a scarecrow. Yeah, kill the scarecrow? Is this just a different scarecrow? Yeah, maybe there are just multiple scarecrows. This one's not CGI. Yeah, maybe there's just multiple scarecrows. Maybe there's a whole race of scarecrows by now in Oz. If I was this other scarecrow, I would feel awkward around Regina. Especially, but... Zelina, you mean? Zelina, yes. Especially standing so close to her. So, we get a really good shot of henry walking towards town hall with the sun backlighting him it's a really good hero shot it is i was gonna say it's a real hero shot he is he is not messing around we as 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 everyone in the enchanted forest is being engulfed by nothingness henry is walking down the halls of of town hall ready to square off with the black fairy when by the way town hall is no longer like town hall it's these weird low-slung condo things well it's 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 a municipal building with drop ceilings it's very not elegant yeah i guess when uh, the black fairy cast her version of the curse she didn't have regina's style class but Henry's walking down the hall. Well, I mean, I know that that's, I know it's because it's Fiona instead of Regina, but it's nice because Henry striding down this municipal hallway with a sword is a good combination of the high fantasy, brutal real world. Yeah. But he's interrupted by Emma, who came back. Yes, because as we so laboriously pointed out before, There is no version of Emma that would leave Henry alone in this situation. Yes, thank God. And her coming back means she believes. She believes enough 
to stop the universe from being destroyed while there's an island of rock with everyone standing on it. Yes, everyone is standing on a tiny 10 foot by 10 foot square, but every but it has stopped collapsing and they're like, yay, I guess. We're going to have to live the rest of our lives in this 10 by 10 square of rock floating in a void of nothingness. This is going to get uncomfortably close. I mean, I mean, this would be when Regina should be using her magic to imbue the rest of the uh, being with. Yes, that is exactly what she should be doing. I... Or she should have David and Mary Margaret make out, and then she should shove the bean between the two of their lips. I don't know if you could transfer true love's kiss like that. But, I mean, I assume that is what she's doing, trying to get the bean to work. Mm. So... Rumpel remembers the one thing no one in this show ever seems to remember, that locator spells exist. Locator spell, a spell that we were told when it was first introduced, is so simple that even David Nolan could use it. And yet, almost never used when you think it should be used over the course of this show. So true. He used the locator spell on the book, Her Handsome Hero, to find where Belle is hiding out. And... The Black Fairy went full super ironic punishment on Belle. Yeah, she made her paranoid and agoraphobic so that she is refusing to leave the house that she is in. So that she could never have adventures in the Great Wide somewhere. And she doesn't remember Rumpel. She doesn't remember anyone. She's just afraid to leave her house. So if you can use magic to change someone's thoughts so much... Are they even themselves anymore? I was wondering why she still let her look like Belle. Well, like, at that point, is she Belle? Well, no. Is Belle going to remember this? Is this going to be Belle's third personality? Maybe. She's got Lacey, she's got Belle, and she's got scared Belle. Yeah, and I mean, okay, whatever, it's, it is what it is, but. I mean, does Emma still have her Princess Emma memories? Yes, she does. Huh. you'd think that would inform her personality somewhat i mean to what degree is the self dependent on past experiences is there some sort of core personhood that would be unchanged well i I mean that is my point right this is so different from bell's core personhood that it feels it feels wrong it feels like a cheat on the show's behalf and as long as we're talking about this Belle is the only person who we've seen change personalities under curses. Hmm. Lacey is the only person who has a fundamentally different personality than her. Than Belle. Than Belle. Other people may have different responses to stimuli based on having different experiences, but you can still tell that at their core they're themselves. Yeah, Mary Margaret is still Snow. She's less outgoing than Snow. She's less adventurous than Snow, but she is still Snow. Snow. So, is... David Nolan is definitely still David. Yeah, there's only one David. Thank God. So, is Belle just fundamentally more changeable? Hmm. Or, I mean, what does this say about Belle, other than that the show is terrible to her? Which we're going to see more of. You know... This, this show manages to get some weird parting shots at Belle. This is the last episode with Belle in it, so I feel like we haven't said this enough, so I just want to put it out there now. This show is terrible to Belle. It really is. Like, she's in this super abusive relationship 
She's constantly being physically attacked in ways other characters aren't. She's used as a damsel in distress in a show that is undermining the fairy tale tropes. She's the woman who still has to suffer the indignities of fairy tale women. Merida knocked her out and kidnapped her to make her do magic for her. Merida. She went from an abusive father who tried to wipe out her memory to an abusive husband and who she felt compelled to return to because their child was kidnapped by her abusive husband's abusive mother. The show did not do well by Belle. No. I... She was literally a bag of bones in the wish verse. Yeah. Like, she starved to death in a dungeon in the wish verse. I just... Which also... What the fuck, King David and K- and Queen Snow? Because that base, like that dungeon, was in your attic, like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I don't know if we have any rum bell shippers who listen to us. I kind of doubt it because we've been pretty clearly anti rum bell. Hmm. But if we do. I really want to hear from people who really love this ship about if they think the show has been unfair to Belle. Because, you know, I it mean, has. I mean, we're not judging you for liking Rumbell. Oh, like, no, absolutely not. Your ship is your ship. Yeah, like, we all have ships that are not super healthy. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, I love me some Willow and Tara. Like, I love them so much. But they should not have gotten back together after what Willow pulled in season six. I've I've read my I've read my share of uh, Stay Hermione fic. Yeah, yours is worse. Okay, but it's all okay. But the ones I like are all the ones that take place after the war, assuming Snape lived through the war. And it's not like a student teacher thing anymore. It's like they fought a war together. I understand, and I love you, but I don't understand. But I still love you. <laughs> So my point is, I am not in a position to judge around bell shippers. This is also why Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was made for you, because they had a shout-out to your weirdly specific ship there. I swear, that show. I mean, I just have to say, as a former real estate attorney who has anxiety and depression and lost my virginity at theater camp, I really felt like that show spoke to me on a fundamental level. So anyway, <laughs> so uh, back in Gold Shop, the Black Fairy is looking for her wand, which has been of relative importance, I guess, sort of. Well, we all, we've always known that fairy wands are like the most powerful. Like if wands have a hierarchy, fairy wands are the best. So it makes sense that she would need hers. And I guess it ended up in Rumpel's shop during the curse because that's how the curse works. All important magical items end up in the shop, which is actually really smart because she had lost her wand to the blue fairy already. Mm. So by casting the curse, she knew it would like respawn in Rumpel's pawn shop. So what I like about this is that she bursts into the store. I think this is the most I've ever liked Gideon. She bursts into the store and she yells, I need my fairy wand. And he kind of looks to the side and then looks back at her and is like what yeah because gideon unlike rumple is still asleep and she's like just look for it and he's like opening things and looking for it and actually finds it which is great because i don't even know how you respond to something like that 
Well, he he goes to call. He's like, should should I call someone? And he goes to call someone, and she's and she's like, I still have your heart. You still have to do what I say. Find the wand, and he finds it, which brings to question why people didn't use this more often in the show if you could do that oh oh see i interpreted that differently so first of all yes this is a good way for us to know that she still has his heart but i didn't think he found it because she ordered him to i think he was looking for it because she ordered him to but he just found it because he works in the shop so he would know where a thing of that size would be likely to be oh yeah well I don't think it was like if you told someone to fly when you were holding their heart, they could fly. Okay. He probably just knew this store really well. And he's like, this is a wand ass thing we have in here. Yes. But he gives her the wand and she uses it to decode Henry's author scribblings from when he went to his fugue state and wrote those sigils. Yeah. She uses the cipher power. Doesn't seem like something you need to wand for. Yeah, earlier when she was looking at the sigils last last week, it seemed as though she was able to read them, but I guess not. Yeah, she was like, oh, Henry, but I guess it didn't mean anything. Maybe she just wanted a candy bar. <laughs> Maybe she just wanted an ironic story. Well, she's in the right place. So at Town Hall, Emma goes storming into the mayor's office, and there's this great shot this great crane shot that goes around her she gets a real like hero moment with a sword drawn and it's like yeah emma's here to kick ass but then no one's there i do love that so i just want to talk about this for a little bit emma isn't awake yet she's decided to have faith in henry and she's come back to this town but she legitimately i mean I know deep down she knows that Henry's right, blah, blah, blah. But on some level, she's also like, okay, so I guess I'm just going to stab this lady with this sword. Yep. Question mark, question mark, profit. Yep. Like, this is how you get on national news. Hey, she broke Henry's arm. She did break Henry's arm. That's true. But she has video footage of him falling down the stairs. I just, I don't get why that video footage was It was not to... convincing. It wasn't from an angle. We talked about it last week, but it wasn't from an angle that would, you know, make it clear that she didn't push him. Yeah, I, I, I have no answer. So we go from Emma looking for a woman to stab in the mayor's office and finding no one to Rumple entering the store and being like, hello, mother. She's... And she's like, oh, I knew you were awake. Well, she's, at first she's like, I'm just here to pick up my watch. And Rumpel's like, oh my god, really? And she's like, yeah, you got me. Yeah. Yeah. And then she tries to say that she only separated him from Belle for his own good, which is a terrible thing to say. Seriously. I mean, I think it, I, I, I do think that the reason she separated him from Belle was because she knew Belle would leave him. I think it was because she knew that Belle would encourage him to be good and that he wouldn't, and that he might be tainted for the point where she breaks the curse. He wakes, because her plan seems to be, Gideon will kill Emma, that will break the curse, they will wake up, Gideon, Rumple, and Fiona, but no one else, and then they will be able to rewrite the rules of magic for some reason. Yeah, apparently by having Gideon kill Emma or Emma kill Gideon, 
uh, it will wipe out the light forever and all of i guess the power of the light will go into the darkness making the darkness powerful enough to rewrite the rules of magic right it'll destroy light magic so i guess dark magic will no longer have a price because there's no more balance mm. well if there's no more light there's nothing to drive the darkness back so the dark will i thought it was more like there's no one there's no opposing force to exact karma and so magic doesn't have a price anymore uh, it's not super clear, but somehow if her plan goes off, she'll be able to rewrite the rules of magic and then she can bring back Neil. Yes. Not baby Neil. Neil Neil. Yep. Balefire. And then they can all be a happy family together. And Rumple's like, you dumb motherfucker. So since we just brought up Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, mm-hmm. as we were watching this, I realized Fiona is Trent. Fiona is the character who shows up and basically has Rumple's exact plot from the beginning of the show and is like, this is what you look like. Yeah, I think this is the real heel turn moment for Rumple. I think that's the right expression. I don't watch wrestling. Well, it's it's a reverse heel turn because he, he heel turn is when a good character becomes evil, right? Yeah. This is an evil character becoming good. Face turn? Sure, I don't know. Because I know heels are the bad ones and faces are the good ones for wrestling. I have a coworker who talks about wrestling a lot. I know it's it's a big nerd thing, but neither of us watch wrestling. Yeah. The point is he becomes good and is like, not so fast, mother. And he grabs her wand and he's like, he doesn't mention it, but Neil died to bring him back into the world. Yes. And he talked about this a lot in the Zelina season when Zelina's thing was like, look, I'm going to use, as soon as I got my time travel mojo going, I'm going to go back and save your son. And he's like, no, my son died to stop you. Like, my son died a good hero's death. Right. You're not going to take that away from him. We're not doing season six of Buffy. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to pull, we're not going to pull Neil out of heaven. Where, by the way, we, the viewers, know he is. Yeah. Yeah, we literally... Did Emma ever tell Rumpel? Emma never told anyone that! The fuck, Emma? You know, to be fair to her, a lot has been going on. Yes. But yeah, Neil is in heaven. He has moved on. He is in a higher, better plane. And, like, Rumple is so... This is a really good scene for Rumple. Yeah, he, he tells Fiona that he's not going to pay her price and that she can basically go to hell. And then he uses the wand and turns her to ash. He dusts her. Well, before he does, when he's got the wand at her throat. Which is weird, by the way. It's not a knife. Yeah. But she says, look, this is going to, no matter what you do, this is going to happen. I have Gideon's heart. I've sent him to kill Emma. My plan has gone too far at this point. Even if you kill me, it won't stop my plan from going off. So you just need to calm down and let this happen. Because it's going to happen either way. And my way, we get to be a happy family afterward. And he's like, no. Fuck you. You stole my baby. You're going to die. I have to say, as much as this is giving Rumple his moment, uh, sure does seem like it was easy for him to kill Fiona. Sure seems like we could have avoided so much trouble. Yeah, really seems like there was no reason for the final battle to happen at all. Uh, 
Like, if yeah. if he had just killed Fiona, like the big thing that she had was she had Gideon's heart, and if he killed her, he would never find it. But like locator spells. I mean, right now he's he's killed her, and he's planning that he can go find the heart. So. And spoiler alert: he does. Yeah. So. Yeah. Killing Fiona, by the way, breaks the dark curse. So. Which it shouldn't. There. They're really specific in season one that killing Regina would not stop the Dark Curse. Well, this this Dark Curse is a little different, so I'll, I'll let that go. Yeah. I mean, the Black Fairy didn't need to crush the person she loved the most's heart in order to enact it. So this is what happens when you, uh, this is what happens when you don't follow the recipe. Exactly. Exactly. So the curse breaks and Emma wakes up and remembers everything just in time for Gideon to show up and be like, and now we fight. Which I feel like was a, f- I feel like was, I feel like it's a weakness of this episode. The Black Fairy is already dead. Why are we worried about Gideon? And I know, I know the whole thing is she's trapped because if she kills him, it'll destroy the lightness just as much as if he kills her. But I just don't feel, he doesn't feel like a threat right now. Yeah, it's a little anticlimactic. Yes, exactly. It's like, you know, as a preview for our next podcast, it's like how the triad are the big bad in uh, the last season of Charmed. Even though the Charmed ones already killed the guy they were working for, the source of all evil. Well, that's what happens when you do a postscript season. But they killed the source of all evil, like, three seasons before they faced the triad. Yeah. Like, oh no, now in our final season, it's the ultimate battle with the main hench people of the guy that you kicked, whose ass you kicked back in season four. Honestly, this is a problem when you have shows that have big bads that have to keep escalating and escalating. At some point, it becomes ridiculous. I mean, imagine if they had done a but I know they did do a Buffy season eight as a comic but imagine trying to do a tv version of buffy season eight and being like we need something bigger than the first evil okay so the buffy comics get good eventually Uh uh-huh eventually but it's really rough for the like i think it's it's not until they get a Christo, uh, Christos Gage and Rebecca Isaacs because Rebecca Isaacs and Christos Gage were doing the Angel and Faith comics and those, those were, were so good so good so they brought them over to be the main team on the actual Buffy books which weren't doing so hot at that point because they had plots like Angel gets possessed by something called Twilight and he and Buffy both get more superpowers and then they have sex in it almost destroys the universe, universe destroyed sex also a plot where dawn becomes a giant yes she becomes a giant and a centaur and then a robot i think well i mean that just proves my point right once you kill the first evil where are you supposed to go from there but the thing is like it gets better later when well they had to find their groove because they had to realize that the structure of Buffy doesn't work anymore in a comic format. So that's fine. Yeah. And that's why the, that's why they got to do cool stuff. Like Harmony brings vampires into the public eye. That was amazing. And the whole thing where, you know, 
Buffy gets the book of magic and she needs to sort of the thing that gets interesting about the later Buffy books is that magic is doesn't have solid rules anymore so they're trying to sort of recreate the mystical world under these new circumstances you know since you brought that up that's another weakness of the early Buffy comics is that they they brought them to a place where Frey picks up but Frey takes place like a hundred years after Buffy. So all of a sudden they'd gotten them to that place and then they had a hundred years of time to fill and they felt beholden to not change the universe. So things got awkward and then they just decided, fuck it. Uh, also, I was wrong. Uh, they had the plot where Buffy thinks that she's pregnant, but then it turns out she's actually a robot. Yes. She's the Buffy bot. Yeah. Also, they... Also, she sleeps with a girl, but then decides she's not into it. She was just really lonely. I just remember Buffy kept on being in the news for stuff the comic was doing for a while. And it's like, really? <laughs> like, Buffy's pregnant, but she's not. Buffy sleeps with a girl, but she's not gay. It's that comic book retcon. I really did not like the Xander Dawn thing. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, we're like an hour into this and we've still got 20 minutes left. Alright, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's do it. Now that the curse has been broken, Belle is herself again. Which, as I said, what does that mean? Does Belle even have a self? But she's default Belle and she comes back into the shop. She's like, where's the black fairy? And Rumple points to the pile of dust on the floor and Belle's like, okay. And then she asks, where's Gideon? And Rumple says, I don't know where he is. And... He's still under her control, and he's still going to try to kill Emma, though. And then Belle says, can you stop him? And Rumple says, I, I, Rumple says, I'm not going to stop him. I'm going to save him. Really? With, with the really, really Rumple? Come on. Yeah. So, speaking of Gideon, I love this scene so much. Gideon and Emma are fighting in the mayor's office. With swords. With like, swords, like you do. And Henry just comes up from behind Gideon and wings him over the head with a fire extinguisher. Henry's awesome. Henry's so awesome. So when he falls down, Emma and Henry run out of the office and Emma uses magic to seal the office doors, which will hold him briefly. I don't get why they don't do... Like, there, there's the big final confrontation, which, hey, look, it ended up being an actual sword fight. Yeah, that's true. But, like, you could turn him into, like a chair until you can deal with this later i don't think emma can we've never seen emma do anything other than like heal seal doors do light blasts i don't think she can do complicated things like turn someone into a i don't know she replicated that page from the book that one time that's true like we've seen her do and putting aside i mean regina's here regina could definitely turn gideon into a chair so regina is here now regina was not there in the mayor's office but when Emma and Henry run out onto the street... It's suddenly night and all of the Storybrooke crew are here. Right. Just like in Emma's vision. <gasps> Except Regina's there. Except Regina's there. Also, uh, Gideon's not wearing that cloak now. But... I, I just would have appreciated it if they would have found a reason for Regina to be not there. So that we would have an explanation for why she wasn't there in Emma's original vision. Oops, I spilled invisibility potion on myself. <laughs> I mean, if she'd been somewhere else doing something else, I understand because of the way they ended the show, she couldn't be the one looking for Gideon's heart. But if they had had her being the one retrieving Gideon's heart, that would have made sense. 
enough stuff has changed since the original vision though i guess that's true Emma's hook and for a second is so horny that she forgets that she's in the middle of a fight <laughs> so regina explains for anyone who missed the first part of the episode what's going on she's like look uh the black fairy's forcing her hand here gideon kills emma darkness wins emma kills gideon her heart is darkened and darkness wins yep no win and emma's all oh no this is awful there's no way to win i have no hope well before she does that mary margaret's like couldn't emma just hold off gideon until rumple finds his heart and stops him and then emma goes into her no hope speech right no hope no hope and then regina gives her hope regina's like remember when you came to town and we didn't like each other and now we're in love and co-parenting a child there's always hope 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 so anyway emma and and regina tells her she's like i don't know what you're gonna do but i know you're gonna think of something because you're emma fucking swan Here's an anecdote. I saw my evil self sacrifice herself to hold back the darkness. I don't know if that's going to come into play in your specific situation, but my evil self sacrificed herself and it held off the darkness. Um, okay. Regina, you you mixed your darknesses together. She's not your evil self anymore. The two of you are equal in evilness now. Well, it's, it's her way of disambiguating the two of them. Sure, sure. So while Regina was giving this inspiring speech, Gideon snuck up from behind and took Snow at sword point. Yeah, he grabs her as a hostage, but then he pushes her away because he didn't come here to take hostages. He came here to sword fight with the savior. So down in the Black Fairy's mine, Rumple is looking for Gideon's heart because that's where he assumes it will be hidden. And uh, we, we didn't discuss this before because it was cutting back and forth, but he and Belle went down there. And then Belle fell and twisted her ankle. and Sprained it. She sprained her ankle. And had to, like, wait at the entryway of the mine while Rumpel went forward. What? This is, like, just this show just, like, crapping on Belle. Like, I know it's so Rumpel has to confront his evil self by himself. And... But seriously, show. Like. And he points out, he's like, I can heal it. It'll take a second. She's like, no, there's not time. I know you could have healed it in the time it took me to say that sentence, but there's no time, Rumpel. She's Belle. She's the Disney princess who made all of the bookish girls be like, yes, a Disney princess. Show some goddamn respect. She sprained her ankles. She is she in a horror movie all of a sudden? Like Belle is the least damselly of all of the Disney Renaissance princesses, and I just feel like the show punishes her for that out of spite over and over. I might give it to Jasmine. Or actually, well, obviously it would be Mulan. Oh yes, of course, Mulan is the least damselly. And what does the show do with her? Hmm. God. I feel like if the sh- I feel like the show was like if we can't subvert your princessness and turn you into a cool character, we have no time for you. So anyway, Rumple does find the heart, and yay, he's got the heart. But then his dark one, his his internal dark one, which we've never seen Rumple have, but it makes sense because we saw Emma have it when she was a dark one. Mm-hmm. His internal dark one shows up and is like, um, how about if instead you 
let Gideon kill Emma and then have all of the power, like Fiona was saying. Yeah, like, all that power has to go somewhere, and I know you have the power of all of the Dark Ones and the Greek gods now, but, like, you could have some more power. And hell, you could bring everyone back from the dead, so, like, would it even count that you let uh, Gideon kill Emma? And Rumble's like, you know what? No, I've done this so many times. I'm just gonna, you know what? I'm just gonna be straight up good here. Hey, Gideon, don't kill Emma. But then the heart turns black, and... It's like, haha, it doesn't matter what you do. Didn't work. Yeah, he's like, the dark one part of him's like, look, the Black Fairy obviously did more than just whisper into the heart. There's obviously more going on to this spell. You can't just undo it by telling the heart not to kill. Yeah. Which, really, because, I mean, Rumpel, again, all the dark ones, also the Greek gods. Well, well one Greek god. Well, we've seen we've seen spells that do things to hearts that protect them from being pulled out or from being crushed or things like that. So it makes sense to assume that the Black Fairy put some sort of spell on the heart and wasn't just using it to manipulate the way hearts can just be used by anyone to manipulate. It's true. She did order Gideon from, well, not holding the heart. So there must be some deeper connection there. Right. And I'm sure Rumpel could have beaten it if he had time to work it out, which he doesn't. Because back on Main Street... Gideon and Emma are just sword fighting. Yeah, Henry could hit him with another fire extinguisher. I Henry can just keep coming up with fire extinguishers, which is like an infinite supply of fire extinguishers until until Rumpel shows up with the heart, except we know he never is going to. It's like that uh, that Silent Hill game that had an unlimited inventory. So if you tried really hard, you could spend the entire game just fighting monsters by throwing microwaves at them. I did not know that, but that's amazing and I love it. So... I don't get why this has to end with one of them stabbing the other one. I mean, honest to God, you could just pin Gideon and then throw him in jail. Just dogpile him. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you could, but that's not what happens. What happens is Emma tosses aside her sword and is like, you know what? I'm not going to kill you because saviors don't kill innocent people. I'm just going to stand here and let you fucking stab me. She gives this whole speech about how she's the light. She is the goodness in the world while kicking Gideon in the crotch and punching him in the face. That's kind of hilarious. But then she discards the sword. And Gideon has this genuinely heartbreaking moment where he says, I was really hoping you would save us both. And then he stabs her. And then he stabs her. But instead of, like, gutting her, just white light comes out and sparkles. And... It's very pretty. I'm not sure you would enjoy it if you had epilepsy, but... Yes. Well, it's very pretty, but Gideon is standing there with a serious look as though he just killed the savior, but if you stab someone and white light comes out, I feel like, I feel like you just might think you have not succeeded. Does not even seem to cross Gideon's mind that this might have some meaning. In a really, really weird way. I mean, it's just because she gave that... I really wish they hadn't had her give that little speech about how she is light and love and blah, blah, blah. And in the name of the moon, she will defeat you. But it kind of reminded me of the bit at the end of Wonder Woman, spoilers for the Wonder Woman movie, uh-huh. where she's fighting Ares and she's like, no, I believe in love. And then she fucking decimates him with bright yes, light. Yes, yes. Like... I believe in love, and that belief in love has allowed me to use love to murder you with white light. That is essentially where we are, except not quite. Yeah, except the white light isn't, you know, reducing Gideon to a flaming skeleton. Sadly, no. Harsh. Back in the mine, Rumpel 
you know, goes back to the antechamber where he left Belle like she was some sort of time traveler's girlfriend just being dropped on the front porch as you change time around her. That book has some grooming issues in it. Oh, I meant, I was talking about Back to the Future. Oh. Yeah, time traveler's wife, also awful. Basically, there's no good way to be married to a time traveler. I mean, Marty just knocks out what's-her-face at the beginning of the second one. Or Doc does, I Doc guess. does. Which, real fucked up. Yeah, no, I, I, I literally wrote an essay about how fucked up that is for our best friends whenever scene. Oh, good. Yes. Keep an eye out for that. Yes. But Belle asks him what happened, and he says that he made the right choice and he was a good man, but it didn't matter. They still fucking lost. And she gives him a consolation hug. So, meanwhile, Emma's totally dead, except not. Like, she's lying on the ground, but there's no blood or, like, sword wound or anything. Hey, you know what might fix her? True love's kiss. That's right. Henry leans over and kisses her forehead. And just like at the end of season one, that familial forehead kiss breaks the... Stabbing curse. Yeah, the curse of being stabbed with a sword. Thank God earlier in this episode, we established that true love's kiss can cure smooshing and other physical wounds. Yeah. Yeah. So Emma wakes up. So Emma wakes up. Everyone's happy. They all group hug. It is kind of nice to see Henry use True Love's Kiss. I don't think we've seen him use it before. I think you're right. Yeah. It's been used on him a lot, but it it does sort of, it does sort of give the show a nice symmetry at the end. It is. And it, it really shows Henry coming into his own because I think you, of course, Emma feels true love for him. He's, he's her child and she loves him, but. Children are kind of inherently selfish. I feel like you have to grow a little in order to to feel true love. Yeah, it, it speaks to growth on Henry's part that he's not so much a kid anymore. It, it's true. Especially, I know he's, he's still a teenager in terms of this show, but especially through the teenage years, it does take a while to really appreciate your parents. That and, is accurate. And, you know, I feel like Henry's hit that point. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, assuming you have good parents. Right, of course. Which Henry does. Yeah, he has several good parents. Yeah. I mean, one of them's dead. And one of them was abusive to him for a lot of his life and spent it gaslighting him. But then she rewrote reality so that he'd have a happy childhood. Oh, I was actually going to say he rewrote reality by having the heart of the truest believer and believing she loved him. I still think that's what happened. (laughs) But down in the mine, Belle and Rumple break their embrace and realize that Gideon is down there with them, having been transformed back into a baby yes. through the power of Henry's true love for Emma. Henry's true love for Emma turned Gideon into a baby. That's that's what happened. Neat. Look, I have to say, as annoying as Connor is in Angel, at least the show had the balls to not fix everything by making him a baby again. At least in that show, they were like, look, the happiest of happy endings you can have for Connor is giving him good memories and sending him away to live with another family that he thinks is his real family. I mean, it's it's Regina at the end of season three. Yes, exactly. And back on Main Street, the Once Upon a Time book reappears, so I guess... In a flash of golden light. Yeah, well, I guess True Love's Kiss also unburned the book. Neat. Yeah. 
Snow White picks it up, and I actually think this is a nice bit of symmetry that Snow White gives the book to Henry because, of course, the inciting incident of this whole Mishigas is Snow White giving Henry the Once Upon a Time fairy tale book. And it's really subtle, which is nice. Yes, they, it doesn't draw attention to it. It doesn't have a flashback to Snow handing Henry the book the first time. Although, to be fair, that didn't happen on screen. I'm sure. I'm sure they showed it in a flashback later I, at some point in the show. I'm not. Sh- I'm not so sure about that. Oh wait, maybe they did. Oof, I'm not sure. Henry opens up the book to the last page, and the final sentence appears. The final sentence is, "When good and evil both did the right thing, faith was restored. The final battle was won." Kind of a weak sentence to end your uh, book on. So, Emma had to make a sacrifice. And Rumple had to make a sacrifice, and the fact that they both made a sacrifice fixed everything. Essentially, essentially, they won the prisoner's dilemma. Yes, they won the prisoner's dilemma. That was that was the final test. So Emma is like, wait, how come it doesn't say the end? And Snow White's like, because we're real people. This is the end of the book, but we still live. We still do things who wants to go to the mall on monday yeah uh, R- regina has a where do we go from here and snow's like look like i think this means that we're not gonna have to deal with shit for a while we can just like be people yeah we don't have to be main characters fighting evil anymore now we can just be like goddamn normal people going around doing our thing this isn't gonna bode well for me and uh, david's relationship because it basically thrives on uh, drama and we've never actually just had time to be a married couple so yeah they're gonna get divorced and then she's gonna marry jason patrick instead speed to reference yeah that's right <laughs> so we see all of the countries reigniting uh we see Tinkerbell in Neverland. We see a much better Sven puppet in Frozen Land, Arendelle. I think it's the same puppet, but okay. No, it looks way better. It doesn't have the dumb cartoon eyes, and it it looks like they went to Nature Works instead of just buying a hand puppet at a dollar store. Okay, well there's a there's a reindeer because they didn't get any humans. Well, they they have Jasmine and Aladdin. I meant they didn't get any Arendelle humans, yes. They didn't get any old guest stars. Right. Yes, we see Jasmine and Aladdin back in Agrabah. Agrabah's fine. And... Apparently its own realm now, so that's nice for them. Right. Regina... I'm sorry. The evil queen has apparently become a charming at last because she reconstitutes... I meant to say it when Emma when Emma dropped her sword to sacrifice herself. She knew that nothing bad was going to happen because charmings don't ever actually have to sacrifice themselves. Yeah, they themselves. only have they only have to go through the motions of a sacrifice. Yeah, she she fully embraced being a charming there. Yeah. Then we get a bunch of shots of people living their lives so that we know that everyone lived happily ever after. We see the charmings going about their day. Snow's a teacher again with her bird class. She's not running the school, though, and she is teaching smaller children. That so. is where she belongs. Yes. Speaking of school, we see Regina and Emma dropping Henry off at school, which is awesome. I love when they get to co-parent. We see Violet waiting for Henry as he walks towards the bus. Okay, so the tie-in novel Henry and Violet, which I will be discussing at a future date, hmm. I think must take place 
after the end of the series. It has to take place in the window between this epilogue we are watching and the setup for season seven that we're about to see. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to keep that in mind when I go over the extent to which the Henry and Violet tie-in novel does not know the plot of Once Upon a Time. Henry must have no idea how to socialize with kids his own age. Yeah, right? I, I mean, no, wait, no, sorry. He has his curse memories where he... Oh, right. From when he, from when Regina sent them back to New York. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, I mean, how does he ever interact with kids? Yeah, well, I mean, he's probably just like any kid who's too mature for his age, who's seen too much. God, he's the kitty pride of this show. <laughs> yeah, basically. So... We see that Hook is a cop now with Emma, so... Okay, great. I guess that's how you become sheriff in this town. You just are related to Emma somehow. Yep. The way to become sheriff is be related to the old sheriff or have sex with the old sheriff. It's how Emma became sheriff. That is true. Oh my god, sheriff's like an STD. The sheriff The sheriff job is like it follows. <laughs> yes. Then there's this adorable scene where Regina goes back to her office and the dwarves have scraped mayor off the door and replaced it with queen. So now it says Regina Mills, queen. It's great. It's very touching, which I wasn't expected to be, you know, heart warmed by that. But it's it's very touching. Also, it implies that in this town, Regina now rules as the absolute monarch, which I'm OK with. Uh, towns have some license to what they call their people in charge. My town had a first selectman. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's no town in America that has a queen. Except for Storybrooke. Oh, we should push for that for Portland. Uh... Queen of Portland. So, meanwhile, while Regina is satisfied sitting in her mayor's office with her... I'm sorry, her queen's office with her basket of apples... Yes, the evil queen is sitting at her vanity when she is visited, our last visit. By the f- by, our favorite character in the show. Our favorite character in the show proposes to Regina. Yes, the ironic archer. Yes, the ironic archer shoots an arrow with an engagement ring tied to it into her vanity. Yes, with a little note that says, ready to start a new adventure? Because I guess they couldn't get Robin Hood back. They could not get Robin Hood back. We do hear Sean What's-His-Bucket's voice, but I am 100% sure that they just grabbed it from an earlier clip in the show. I think you are right. So I guess she's going to hook up with him now? Yeah, sure. But really, we know she's hooking up with the ironic archer. Yes. We also see Belle and Rumple dancing. and To the Beauty and the Beast song. Of course. At some point, I decided to stop paying attention to when Belle's wearing yellow and when she's wearing blue because I thought maybe I was reading too much into it. But y'all, she is wearing a blue dress during this dance number. Conspiracy theory. This relationship is not going to work out. That is why they put her in a blue dress. So we would know that this is not Belle's happy ending. As a reminder, Tina had a theory that when... uh... Belle and Rumpel's relationship is going well. She wears yellow. When it's not, she wears blue, which was pretty consistent for a bit there, but then they kind of forgot about it. And I mean, did they forget about it here? Mm. Or are they trying to tell us something? So everyone goes to Granny's and it's all in happy ending slow motion. Yeah, they all sit down at a big table to have... On one side of the table. ...dinner together. Well, they have to recreate the Last Supper with Emma as Jesus. It's real on the nose. 
<laughs> it's just it's literally the last supper but with emma as jesus and also there are more babies there yeah basically emma's gonna do big arms three babies three babies at this last supper yeah neil gideon and robin yep all the last supper so two two named after dead people yep that's true and what is this harry potter <laughs> so the camera pans out and we see the shot of them sitting at the last supper become a picture in the storybook and the book closes and it's once upon a time but not our once upon a time book it's a different cover for once upon a time it's like an actual book book yeah it's just a hard cover mass published book called once upon a time and the little girl from the enchanted forest from the flash forwards at the beginning of this episode and last week's episode is holding the book sitting on a bus on her way to the chiron tells us seattle hmm. several years later several years later she finds where she's looking for it's an apartment she knocks on the door and it's the man, the man who is her father in the flash forwards that we saw, except, you know, it's modern day. He's he's a modern Seattle hipster man. And she asks, Henry Mills? Yes. And he says he is Henry Mills. And she says, I'm your daughter. And he's like, I don't have a daughter. And she's like, sit the fuck down. Yeah. Let me tell you a story. Also, it's now a new actor playing Henry, obviously. Mm i think he's pretty cute i think he is too and he looks enough like jared gilmore like he does look like a different person i feel like we kind of know what jared gilmore looks like as an adult but he could conceivably be jared gilmore yeah i totally buy it i mean he looks more yeah i I think maybe he's like a half brother or older cousin he's more viable as an adult henry than some other adult child combinations we've seen i'm 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 okay with it but yeah and that is the end of once upon a time yeah Honestly, I feel like this would have been a cool place to leave it off. I would have been upset if they left it off here. Mm. I, I would have been fine if they left it off at the Last Supper shot. Mm. But if they left it... And they just didn't have any of the little girl stuff. Right. If they left it with the little girl stuff, with the, hey, guess what story... You know what? You know what? As I'm saying this sentence, I'm changing my mind. I was going to say I'd have been frustrated that that was the end of the story because I would it would just leave me wanting more. But you know what? stories repeat that's been the theme of this show the whole point of this episode is that this story has ended but there are more stories to come so you know what i take it all back this would have been a great place to leave the show at the end but but it's not we get a post-prep season yeah there's another season coming which eh, it has it has some good things i've heard that it gets better after it finds its feet a little bit as all seasons of once upon a time must but no, no, let's go into a positive. Let's go into it excited to talk about the Seattle season of Once Upon a Time where the villain is gentrification. I mean, come on, doesn't that sound cool? I am looking forward to talking about the one sentence that got you super hyped for the new season. Mom, help, I'm being attacked by the evil stepmother. Come on. Yes. Okay, so, so, quick, quick, uh, podcasting question that maybe I should have asked off the air, but well, I'm going to throw it out here now. Mm-hmm. Are we going to change the name of our podcast from Welcome to Storybrook to Welcome to Hyperion Heights? No. Okay, well, that was easy. Yeah. Well, just do a parenthesis. I mean, we kind of dropped the whole book thing in the last... We dropped it in the last few episodes, but... 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, we stopped calling it. We, we stopped identifying what the books are. I still put it up on the thing on the episode. Yeah. But yeah. This, by the way, is, is, is book 10, Momageddon 2, Son of Momageddon. But yeah, the next season's just going to be Welcome to Storybrooke. Welcome to Hyperion Heights. All right. Okay. All right. So that does it for Once Upon a Time. I mean, not really, but that does it for Once Upon a Time. How do you feel we've reached the end of the... I mean, let's be clear. This is the end of the show. I know. It feels weird. Yeah. I mean... I was going to say it feels weird to like not know what we're doing next week, but of course we do. We know what we're doing. We're doing season seven. But, and even when we're done with season seven, we know what we're doing. We're doing Charmed. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's there's enough melodramatic TV, Max. We can we can keep talking about it for the rest of our lives. Yeah. If we want to cut things short, we could do a Sabrina podcast. Oh, man. We've been going through Sabrina, and it is it is some rough stuff, guys. I think maybe we should do it. 1990s Sabrina. Yeah. 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 Plus, be shorter. Theoretically, although God knows. <laughs> I don't think it would be. I think our episodes might go even longer. <laughs> Just less to talk about, but more. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack. There is a lot to unpack. So, do we have any fashions to talk about? I really like, they put Jasmine in a slightly different outfit. It was kind of peacock colored. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was weird that they changed Jasmine's outfit, but basically everyone else was wearing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I did like Gideon's, like, final form costume. And it was basically just black on black on black, but it was more... Well, it was a black suit, which made it much more Mr. Gold. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, let's be honest. Everyone looks great in a suit. No exceptions. Also, Emma was wearing like a black on black on black thing at the end there. She was. Yeah. It was nice. It was kind of weird not to have her in her most like iconic outfit. We know. Wait, actually, we should cut that because she did put on her red leather jacket at the very end. Yeah. But yeah, I guess we don't really have... Yeah. It feels weird to end the segment like this, but although I did like there, there's a bit we didn't really talk about last week uh, with uh, Regina slash the Evil Queen's fairy tale thing. Uh-huh. I do like that it was they had uh, shorter capes that were black with like red scales sort of on them. I think it was more like red feathers. Well, yeah, I, I just mean like there was red interspersed in it in like little chunks yeah there was there's there were red touches red highlights yeah Yeah. so do you have recommendations honestly this was a really strong way to leave the series yeah like i don't have a straight recommendation to you um yeah i was gonna recommend unwritten the comic book unwritten oh that yes seconded (laughs) emphatically seconded yeah, so the comic book Unwritten, which is also a story about people who think they're real people who find out that maybe they're storybook characters. It's so good. Yes. Although, I'll admit, I only made it about four trades into it. There are several trades, so you have lots and lots to read if you decide to take us up on this recommendation. But yeah, I think that'll about do it. Yeah, so uh, this show is partially listener-supported. If you would like to be one of those supporters, you could head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We would like to thank all of our patrons, especially because later this weekend we will be recording, although it will be a couple weeks before it comes out, but we will be recording our Descendants podcast because we reached that stretch goal. Woo! Yay! And we would like to especially thank our $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, and Rosa. 
If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybook. I'm finished with adventure, tired of my sword. Those songs about my exploits leave me kind of bored At last I've seen a sunset I've been riding toward A real life happily ever after I'm done with all the intrigue Sick of kicking us As far as seeking vengeance Frankly I can pass I'm ready now for some A real life happily ever after. Screw the zombies and wizards and dragons. All the magic I need.